Hello and welcome to Being Extra. This week we have two movie reviews. One for The King of Saturn Island and the other one for The Five Bloods. But before we get into those reviews, let's talk some movie news. First of all, Bill and Ted Face the Music trailer dropped. It looked great. Pure nostalgia. Uh, of course, time travel involved. They see their future selves. That's not a spoiler. We see that in the trailer. And something tells me they're going to see their old selves again to help them out with the music. We'll see what happens. I can't wait to see other trailers drop or just to see what's going to happen with this. So let's see what happens. Next on news, Tenet only moved two weeks. So it's still going to have a July release date, which is great because all AMC movie theaters said they were going to open in July and they're still not backing down. They are still going to release it in movie theaters. They are not going to streaming. I know Warner Brothers wants to keep Christopher Nolan happy, so I understand they don't want to move it too far, which... It could play out either way, either not enough people feel safe enough to go back into a movie theater or everybody just, they can't wait to be back in the movie theater, watch a movie in the big screen, surround sound, RPX, IMAX, all that, which I'm excited about. I'm going to go watch it. I'm going to take all the precautionary measures. I'm going to take all the PPE, hand sanitizer if it's, you know, necessary. I'm going to try not to eat any popcorn, anything that's made over there. I'm just going to try to go, enjoy and watch the movie. Which brings me to my next topic, movie theaters. They are planning to reopening, especially AMC. They said they're going to reopen in July, all their movie theaters, which it makes me think, what is their plan? Are they going to have a seat in between? I've talked about this before. You know, a movie theater is a big room that gets crowded, full of people. Every seat gets taken when it's a big movie release. So date night might never be the same if there's a seat in between or sharing the popcorn might not be fun reaching all the way across the seat to share your popcorn. And I don't think people want to share popcorn anymore nowadays. That might be in the past. Everybody gets their own personal popcorn. I'm excited that movie theaters are not completely dead. They took a big hit. That's for sure. A couple of months, two to three months of being closed. That, that's a big deal, guys. Movie theaters that are used to seeing people come every day, even if it's two or three people, for a smaller movie or bigger movies, they're used to seeing people come in every day to see movies to have two or three months closed. That's a long time. So yes, they are going to reopen with safety measures. I'm, I'm still waiting to see what those are going to be. As soon as I have them, I'll post them up. So I'm excited because it seems like Tenet might reopen the whole movie theater business. It's going to open with Tenet. Yeah, they're going to put in some other movies, but we'll see what happens. Um, speaking of movie theaters and streaming, uh, James Gunn said he will be open to having the Suicide Squad on streaming if it's necessary. So, yes, he liked doing the project. He worked on it very hard, of course. He wrote the script. But he knows the risk that could happen of having to go into movie theaters. Trolls World 2, I'm a lot of movie on streaming. Yeah, that is when quarantine started, I know. But Tenet is going to be a test dummy just to see, to test out the waters, to see how going back into movie theaters is going to feel like because you know big events like that marvel movies dc movies things like that christopher nolan films they are meant to be watched at least for the first time in movie theaters let's be honest and then after we'll watch them and re-watch them on our phones on tablets on our tvs but the first time there's nothing like that first time experience of seeing a big movie like that there are approximately 5,400 theaters in the U.S. So we don't know how many of those 5,400 theaters are going to open, but we'll stay tuned and, you know, we'll keep bringing out the news as they come to us. Next in news, Jurassic World 3 is going to resume filming in July, which in my, you know, in my industry, in the jobs that I do, that's good. That's good for the crew that's going to get to keep filming, that's going to come back. Extras, there might not be as many extras, but... I'm happy people are getting their jobs back and that movies are back up. Whether it's for streaming, movie theaters, and at least jobs came back. You know, I'm happy about that. So, so I hope more movies open up as you know as time comes and things start to slowly reopen. Because let me tell you guys, working on a movie, it's it's a lot of people involved. I've mentioned that before. You know, a lot of crew. Besides the crew, you have a lot of extras if it's a big scene. Then you got the cast. Then you got, you know, you have all these people that are working around one film behind two or three cameras are so many people. 
and I understand the precautions that they do have to take. So they might cut down on crew, they might cut down on, on extras, they, they know what they're doing, they're going to have medics on set as always, so hopefully this will start a wave of movies coming back to film again, especially where I live in Georgia, in Atlanta. So guys, Justice League, I've talked about it before, Zack Snyder, he is going to go to a Justice League fan event in July, he's actually going to attend, this is great, this is just giving the movie more hype, it really makes me want it to do great, you know? I really hope that Zack Snyder gets his vision out there the way he intended it. That's why it costs $30 million to finish it because, you know, all the unfinished scenes, maybe they're going to shoot an extra scene or not, we don't know. That's, you know, very hush-hush secret. But I'm happy. I'm happy for Zack Snyder because getting like a do-over for a director on something that came out years ago, that doesn't always happen, guys. Maybe there are reboots, yes, but... This is his original vision with the original actor. So that is very rare. So next in news, the biggest movie award of them all, well, at least for bigger films, is the Oscars. They seem to be pushed back to April. Uh, we still, that's not definitive, but we're going to see if it stays in April or if it's going to push forward. There have been many new rules added this year, such as streaming movies can can be nominated which you know i nominate the five bloods like if i if i could vote the five bloods would be my vote for sure for what i've seen this year if they don't do it next year 2021 that means the movies that come out this year will not be eligible for the next oscars which you know some good movies have come out this year which king of Silent island five bloods hopefully tenet and we'll see what happens with the oscars but in the meantime guys there there is a lot of local film festivals. Everywhere I go, cities I see, they have their own local film festivals. Please support them, guys. You know, these filmmakers, you know, some spend their life savings, some get, some try really hard to get money for their movies. And some movies, you know, they get pushed out and they get made into, and they get released in bigger movie theaters, which is great, but that doesn't always happen. Some end up, you know, on DVD, YouTube, or only film festivals which they're fun to go to. I understand with the whole COVID-19 thing, but once we start slowly getting out of it, hopefully, then guys, support local film festivals, support local films, indie filmmakers. You know, they are the future of filmmaking. They start as indie filmmakers, but they gradually start getting better and better and eventually even make the blockbusters that you see today. So support them. So now for MCU theories. There is millions of them, so I'm not even going to get into that. There is a million channels with a million podcasts about MCU theories. I'm just not going to get into it. I did post one. I posted one about how there might have been a more Easter egg in Black Panther, not in Avengers Endgame, but in Black Panther. It's a video. I'm going to put the link down there. Guys, look at it. It's only two to three minutes. Really, really cool video uh, about a friend who worked on... Uh, Black Panther deleted scene that was never seen, talked about, no one has seen this movie, about how some Central American people were in a disaster and Black Panther supposedly comes to aid them or help them. So we're going to see what happens with that. Uh, hopefully we do get to see that deleted scene. I've looked for it everywhere. I can't find anything about it. Only my friend who worked on it, that's, that's all he can say. So hopefully we get to see it. You got a role in Black Panther, a small royal extra role. Yeah, extra, uh, but the 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 scene got completely cut. But we did get, to, I got to see the director. I didn't get to see uh, Black Panther, um, but I got to see the director, and yeah, our scene was completely cut, so I didn't get to see it at all. Where was the scene? We were Central American um, people who got hit by a disaster, um, and. Black Panther was supposed to come like Ada. So I think uh, it was supposed to be a scene near towards the end of the movie. You know, when he's, when, when he says that they're going to stop uh, being like solitary and they're going to start trying to help the world. I think that's when I was expecting our scene to pop up, <laughs> but it didn't. All right, guys. Uh, Godzilla versus Kong delayed until 2021. I mean, I get it, <laughs> but... But still, I know it's a lot of CGI. It's heavy CGI. Guys, I worked 
on Godzilla King of the Monsters. We filmed it in 2017 here in Atlanta. It got released in 2019. So about two years to get all the CGI done, a couple of reshoots. I was one of the soldiers in the plane. I'll post a picture. But it just keeps getting delayed and delayed. And when you delay things too much, some people lose interest. Some people don't. So oh, I've been waiting for this forever. Some people lose interest. That's where Marvel has done it right. So you got your big movies like, you know, like Avengers, Avengers, Age of Ultron, you know, Infinity War, Endgame. And in between, you have these other movies that tie everything together, even TV shows, that keep people interested. So, okay, we're going to put out Black Panther, Ant-Man and the Wasp, you know, Thor Ragnarok. That puts everything together, but it doesn't make people lose interest. So, I'm not saying make other short stories. No, no, I'm not saying. I'm just saying some people will lose interest. Some people will be so happy. I'm a big fan of Godzilla, always have been. The first Godzilla movie I ever saw was the 1990s one. I can't remember the year right now. But like the smaller T-Rex almost looking Godzilla. That was my first experience with Godzilla, which terrified me as a kid. I screamed and cried, but you know, now I was like, yeah, Godzilla. But you know, uh, I just want to see it being made, Godzilla vs. Kong. It hasn't been made for many years. You know, since back in the day where people used to actually put on the costumes and fight. <laughs> and, you know, choreograph fighting. So, that is going to be interesting. I can't wait. Also delayed, Matrix till 2022. That is an ambitious delay. I'm just saying, I know, I know they want to do it right. I don't know. There's a lot of fans out there. I know there's some people who don't like the second and third movie. They are not perfect movies. I am a fan. Always have been, you know. Uh, even though they're not perfect movies, just the idea behind it. Uh, very, very ambitious. Very, very cool. Next, I'm going to talk about some things that are streaming. And this is only based on the streaming services that I have. So there, there are many that I don't have, like Amazon, HBO Max, which I should. But, you know... Uh, I, I am a movie background worker and crew worker, so right now there's no work, so I, I can't really afford every streaming service, you know, but I would love to in the future just so I could review original content because that's a big thing with streaming services, original content, which, yes, Netflix did start that, but other, you know, other streaming services followed up on that, and, you know, now we have things like The Mandalorian, the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, you know, everything on Netflix, pretty much. <laughs> La Casa del Papel, Stranger Things, Orange is the New Black, you know, things like that. And, you know, the one thing that I like that Netflix is doing is like Netflix original documentaries, which I, I'm really enjoying. I am really enjoying. We all know Tiger King. Uh, that had its 15 seconds of fame. But, hey, it made it around the world, which is crazy. But, uh, so right now, they're pretty much fighting for original content, original movies, so I do eventually want to review all of that, because that's all I do. If I'm not working on a movie, I'm watching a movie or a TV show. So, guys, that is practically my life. Streaming on Netflix. Avatar The Last Airbender. I do not have to talk much about that, because the whole internet has been doing it for me. Great show. Great character arcs. Best redemption story I have ever seen. If you haven't watched it, I'm not going to spoil it for you. But for everybody who has watched it, you guys know what I'm talking about. So that, Lady Bird. Oscar nominated movie. Won some awards. Great movie. Really great movie until life. You know, great look until life of a teenager. The Five Bloods. Man, that is the newest thing to drop on Netflix. I'm so happy because... I already spent $20 on The King of Saturn Island and on other movies that have been dropping. And I'll, I'll gladly pay for them. But, you know, when you have a streaming service and it drops a movie this massive, oh, man, I'm so happy. Thank you, Spike Lee, for doing it with Netflix. And great movie. I will review it shortly. But that I recommend as well on Netflix. I'm No Longer Here. Great movie. Part in Spanish, part in English. Amazing. About an immigrant who had to go to the U.S., because otherwise he was going to get killed because he got involved with some wrong people. And, you know, I, I've seen it firsthand, but this is, this is really cool to see 
you know, movies like this being made. Movies that are, don't have to be made in English with a Spanish accent, you know. I have no problem with that. Uh, for example, The 33, the movie about the Chilean miners, which is streaming on Hulu, by the way. You know, everything happened in Spanish, you know, and then the movie was all in English. They were speaking English. I understand, to show to the American masses, to everybody else, but they were speaking English. And I don't think that was the right way to go. So the good movie, The 33, but um, I just thought that should have been made in the original language in Spanish because that's how it really happened, you know? And even, like, the Chilean president was talking in English and, you know, the, the minister of, like, the minister, all this, all these people, they were talking English. And it was just a little bit weird because I know Spanish. So it was English with a Spanish accent. So it would have been like seeing Parasite in English with a Korean accent. It's just not, it would have not hit the same. It would have not been the same. I know some people subs versus dubs. I prefer subs. And I like hearing the original voices in the original language. That's just me. And of course, as I have recommended before on Netflix, Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems, great movie. You know, he got the Oscars snub. I, I, I talked about how maybe that this... The wrong Missy was the retaliation for not getting an Oscar nomination, which is okay. But Uncut Gems, one of my favorite movies of last year, I still recommend it. It's still playing on Netflix. I don't know how long movies are coming and going on Netflix, so I just watch it if you haven't watched it. Great movie. Just be ready for a lot of intense close-ups because they love doing close-ups on that movie, which just makes the movie more intense and makes you grip your seat. Okay, Hulu, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Do I even have to say it? I'm gonna see if I can put the the Bastard Boys intro right here. Okay. Number one, could you please sing the opening to I Want It That Way? Really? Okay. You are my fire. Number two, keep it going. The one desire. Number three, believe. When I say Number four I want it that way Tell me why Ain't nothing but a heartache Tell me why Ain't nothing but a mistake Now number five I never want to hear you say Woo! I want it that way Ah, oh, chills. Literal chills. It was number five. Number five killed my brother. Oh my god, I forgot about that part. Brooklyn Nine-Nine, uh, Child's Play, the new Child's Play. I haven't watched it, I'm gonna watch it, but it's on Hulu streaming right now. A classic movie, Casino. Also on Hulu streaming, The Dark Knight. The 33, which I just talked about, good movie. Just the whole Spanish subs versus dubs thing, you know. What, what are you gonna do? Sorry to Bother You, great movie. Also streaming on Hulu. The Art of Self-Defense. Great movie, Jesse Eisenberg. Uh, just watch. It's very, it almost feels campy, but it's not. But it's, it's such a great movie. I recommend it. And these movies are streaming on Hulu. I know sometimes they're hard to find because the Hulu interface is not the friendliest. This has been said by many people, not just me. It's just, it's so much easier to find stuff, you know, like on Disney Plus and Netflix and like Hulu. Uh, such a hard interface. So hopefully they fix that. So, Disney Plus. You guys already know, if you haven't seen The Mandalorian, if you just got Disney+, Plus, watch it. Artemis Fowl, which I will try to review. And pretty much every Pixar movie available. So, Disney+. Plus. And you know, National Geographic and all this other stuff, which is great. I like Disney+. Plus. It's just too much stuff, too much stuff to get into. Star Wars, Marvel, you know. We, we already know. So, it's, it's a great streaming platform. Uh, they are working on more original content. We already know all the Marvel shows, you know, WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, all that stuff is going to come out. Um, I was lucky enough to be an extra on a couple of those shows. I will not talk about it until it comes out. But it's just, you know, I can't wait for that to come out. So I'm excited. Original content and it's Marvel. Okay, so first I want to review The King of Staten Island, directed by Jared Apatow and co-written by Judd Apatow and Pete Davidson. So, you know Judd Apatow, involved in movies like 40-Year-Old Virgin, 
Bridesmaids, you know, great, great comedic director, you know, so I am happy he did this movie. Like I said, just a tad long, I give it an 84%, great movie, great look into uh, Pete Davidson's life. The way they talked about it was, this would have been Pete Davidson's life if he never found comedy, which, you know, we all know he did, he got into SNL, then he got to do a few movies, and you know, and he is going to be in Suicide Squad. I'm not going to say what he did. I did get to see him, but I'm not going to talk about that. You guys will get to see. It's not a secret. James Gunn talked about it, but good for Pete Davidson. Great movie. A lot of fun. This is a spoiler review. I am going to spoil a few things. You've been warned, you know. <laughs> so pretty much the movie starts with Pete Davidson, you know, being with his friends, talking about how, you know, they don't like Staten Island, but Pete Davidson's girlfriend, secret girlfriend, loves Staten Island. She wants to make it a great place to live. That's where they're from. The thing is uh, pretty much shithole. Uh, but, you know, their whole lives revolved around Staten Island. And you're going to see those themes work into the movie. Uh, for example, the Staten Island Yankees, things like that, that their whole lives... Like, in a way, they have so much pride to be from Staten Island. They're so close to Manhattan. But they have so much pride of being from Staten Island that, you know, it's showed in themes about this movie. In an interview with Judd Apatow on Ice Camera Barstool, Judd Apatow talked about how they shot everything in Staten Island. Pretty much Pete Davidson worked as a location scout and told them, this is a great place to film, this is a good restaurant to shoot at, you know, this park right here and there. They didn't go to other parts of New York, they didn't, they didn't go to sound stages. They shot in Staten Island, which is pretty authentic, felt authentic. I've been to Staten Island. I mean, they shot in Staten Island. I know what it looks like. So that, first of all, that's great. I have been in, you know, movie, TV shoots where they try to make a street look like New York or L.A., yeah, it can make it work, but I guess the authenticity, you know, was there. So that that's a good thing. So this movie touches heavily on what it was like to have a firefighter for a father and a firefighter who was deceased, which in Pete Davidson's case was the real thing that happened in 9-11. But in this movie, the way they did it, and it was very subtle, they didn't mention 9-11 because they, what Judd Apatow said was if they had mentioned his father dying in 9-11, the, the movie will have to center more around that and they will have to talk about more 9-11 and it will just center more around that than what actually happened. So they changed it to a hotel fire, the roof collapsed, and that's what happened in the movie. At the end of the movie, they dedicated the movie to Pete Davidson's father, which to show a picture of him at the end of the movie. So I think that was a very nice touch from them. So Pete in this movie, which his name is Scott, he doesn't know how to deal with his emotions. He doesn't know how to express them. He doesn't know how to express when he's sad. He doesn't know how to express when he's happy. We see this at the beginning of the movie when, you know, he sleeps with his girlfriend, secret girlfriend, and she tells him, oh, like, what are we? What are we doing? And he's like, oh, you know, we're just having sex. We're doing this. And she's like, but why can't we tell everybody? Why is this such a secret? It's because he doesn't know how to express his feelings because he has such a trauma from when he was a kid. He could never express it. You make everyone around you feel crazy. People are normal, then they hang out with you, and then they're fucking Jack Nicholson in The Shining or something. And they also told him all the time, you know, your father's a hero, your father's a hero, which, great, that's beautiful, but in his mind, he's like, I want to know what he was really like. I'm tired of people telling me he's a hero. So he just never knew how to deal with true emotions, you know. Another uh, big player in this is his sister. His sister was, in a way, besides his mother, which they weren't really as close, uh, you know, his sister was his emotional support. She was always worrying about him. She told him, you always do this. You always make me worry about you. Please don't ruin college for me. Even though she's going to be away, she tells him, please don't ruin college for me. And that's a big thing because he says, oh, I'm stupid. I'm dumb. I can't do this. I can't function. you got to get your shit together. Time is passing by very quickly. Why do you think I smoke weed all the time? So I can slow it down. At the beginning of the movie, his girlfriend tells him, I'm awesome. I'm sad that you don't think you're awesome. That was a big, impactful thing. You know, a small line, but I know how she meant to say it. She was like, uh, you don't think you're great. That's what makes me sad. As, that makes me sadder than you not wanting to be with me. That's what she said. But, you know, which that theme is shown even at the beginning of the movie when they're saying, oh, we talk about his dead father all the time and he laughs about it. What are those numbers on your arm? Oh, that's uh, the date my dad died. He was a fireman. Died in a fire 17 years ago. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Don't be, it's fine. Knock, knock. Who's there? 
Not your dad. <laughs> like it doesn't hurt him, but we know it hurts him. But he acts like he's so numb about it. But deep down, you know, he's feeling it. But he just doesn't know his dad. He doesn't know who he was. He just knew he was a hero. He was a great guy. But in reality, we see later in the movie that, yeah, he was just as normal. He had his problems. He even did cocaine. Now, let me tell you something. Your dad was a hero. And heroes are necessary. And they should be allowed to have families. Which, you know, it was fun for him to hear that. Pete or Scott, he thought, oh, maybe, you know, he was like me. Maybe I'm not such a screw up. And my dad was a hero. And, you know, he did stuff like cocaine, drugs, you know, he had fun. So he wasn't just this perfect human being they kept, you know, talking to, to Scott about. You know, he was actually a person with his problems. He had fights, he had ups, he had downs, but everyone loved him. Just like they love, you know, Scott, just how I love Pete Davidson. They love him. He's not perfect, but that plays a lot into the movie. So it felt very, very personal. So remember how I said uh, the big theme is Staten Island as well as his personal life. So one of the scenes we see that is that when Bill Burr's character, he says, oh, I have season tickets to the Yankees. And then, you know, uh, Scott's like, oh, that's awesome. And then he's like, yeah, they're going to make it this year. And he's like, oh, Staten Island Yankees, minor leagues. Like, they're such a big fans of their city, their hometown, even though it's all New York. It's all New York. But they're still such a big fan of their, you know, their island, the Staten Island. So they go there and they tell Pete, you know, what's really in your mind? How do you feel? And he's like, do you really want me to say it? Firemen should not be allowed to have children. He says how it's not fair to them that one day they're not, they're not going to come home. How are they going to explain that to them? That that is a selfish thing to do. That was a very real moment, I believe. You ever think about putting on the jacket? Why would you even ask me that? What's wrong with being a fireman? It's fine if you don't have kids. Because you don't know if you're going to come home or not. And then your kids are fucked up. And then we jump in the future uh, to, the, to the bar scene. When, you know, they actually tell him who his dad was, you know, he did cocaine the way he was, that he really was a hero, but that, you know, he had a fun side. He had a good side to him as well. And Steve Buscemi says, heroes should be allowed to have families. And I feel like that changed Pete's perception so much. And I love those two scenes, you know. They're in different parts of the movie, but they tie the movie together so well where he understands, okay, so he didn't abandon me. He was doing his duty, what he chose to do, but you know, he was still my father. The, you know, the whole supporting cast is great. Uh, people who play uh, Pete's friends, you know, Bill Burr. Bill Burr, Marissa Tomei. You know, the chemistry between Bill Burr and Marissa Tomei is, is crazy. It's like they really are dating. I love the scene when they start dating and they start going out and Marissa Tomei's uh, character is happy again. And, she, it was awesome. I love that little montage of dates they had. That was pretty cool. They had an awesome chemistry. So it worked really well. And I, I never seen like B Bill Burr like that. Like, so I really enjoyed it. I've been dating someone for a little while now. The first guy you date in 17 years is a fireman just like that? You don't think that's weird? So as we know in the movie, uh, Pete Davidson's character is not a big fan of Marissa Tomei's and Bill Burr's, you know, relationship. He wants to break it up. He's not happy because... Yes, he's an adult, but he is comfortable. He feels like he doesn't want to do, you know, he, like he doesn't, he can't make it in life. Yeah, he has an idea for a tattoo restaurant, but yeah, I mean, we all know that's not going to work. And I feel like even he knows a little bit that yeah, it's not going to work. It's a great idea, but he knows he's not going to make it happen. And we especially see his dreams kind of being crushed when he goes to try to be an apprentice at the tattoo shop. And then he's like... And MGK is pretty much like, hey, you're my bitch. You're going to wash my car and, you know, do whatever we say. And you're not going to get paid anything. And he's like, oh, how am I going to pay my rent? He's like, that's your problem, not my problem. So that's when he's like, oh, crap. You know, like I'm not even wanted at the tattoo shop. <laughs> so he really doesn't like the relationship with Marissa Tomei and Bill Burr. And he feels like because of Bill Burr, He's getting kicked out and he's going to have to be on his own. And he was really comfortable, you know, just smoking weed, being with his friends, practicing tattoos on all his friends, uh, which I, th I thought that was a pretty funny concept. I want to become a real tattoo artist. Your work is mad and consistent. Obama ain't right. Oh, I love your tattoos. This is my favorite. <laughs> because he tattooed his kid and then he got so pissed about that that he went to the house and knocked and be like, did you tattoo my kid? And we all know what happened, you know, Bill Burr and Marissa and... 
but you know uh Pete Davidson uh he just did not like that relationship but you know he, at the end, he did want his mother to be happy, so that's a good thing. But, you know, we fast forward, we jump to when they go to visit his sister in college. They go to an awesome college party. And then he's like, oh, he's like, oh, I felt like I fit in. He's like, you think I can come into a school like this? And then uh, his sister's like, yeah, I just finished high school. And that is when he starts doubting himself again. Like, oh, I'm stupid. I can't do it. You know, uh, I will never be able to compete against these people. I will have to work twice as hard as these people so I'm like it's just self-doubt all over again and then on the car ride back from the university from the college you know Bill Burr's talking about how you know P Pete Davidson you know he he's not doing anything great even Marissa Tomei asks oh, you think the tattoo restaurant is a good idea and you know they, they don't think so and they, they don't think he's literally they don't think he's doing anything to exert himself to push himself to go forward to move forward so that's when he makes a really bad decision of helping his friends, you know, to steal from a pharmacy, which it all goes sideways, it all goes down, and, you know, he gets away, his friends go to jail for a few months. But it's just the bad decisions he makes uh, because of the way he thinks people see him. So uh, we know that he gets kicked out by his mother and he's looking for places to live, places to be at, he can't find one, so... The only person he can turn to is Bill Burr, you know, the fire station, which they take him in, but they make him work for it. They make him watch the fire truck, you know, mop, clean the bathrooms, dishes, all cook, do all that stuff. And that's where he really starts feel, feeling like he, he fits in, like he's bonding with the guys, like he's bonding with, you know, with people that actually do something that knew his father, but they're not treating him like... Like, they feel sorry for him. They're treating him like, hey, you, you want to be here? You got to work for it, which I thought that was a great, uh, you know, part in the movie. That, and that's, you know, where he really gets to bond, know about his father. He gets to learn about hard work. There's a line that I love. When he's watching the fire truck, he's like, oh, why you guys got to watch the fire truck? You guys got to come all sexy for the fire, which I thought was really funny. But in the end, uh, P. Davidson becomes a hero himself. When a guy who he's been either stabbed or shot or we don't know what, it was never shown what happened. He comes to Pete Davidson and says, hey, can you stitch me up? He's like, yeah, I'm not a firefighter. I, I can't do this. He's like, please, can you stitch me up? And, you know, Pete Davidson gets like uh, one of the uh, fire trucks and he like rushes to the hospital with the sirens on like a hero. And, you know, he helps him and he calls Bill Burr and... He helps him uh, put him in the, you know, in the ICU, which in a way he became a hero. And then, you know, just Pete Davidson knows that he has so much more potential than just being a screw up like he thought he was. And then he starts realizing what's important in life, that his mother's happy, that his father be remembered. But, but also just to remember that his father was a person, not just, not just this hero, the superhero that everybody thought out to be. Uh, I just want to give a special mention, you know, the kids, the kids, awesome actors, you know, really, really good actors, the kids. Oh my God, uh, the chemistry I had with Pete walking to school, I love that, that was amazing. You know, the end was great, you know, when Pete Davidson's with his girlfriend, taking her to take her exam, and then she's like, she's like, broaden your horizons, and he just like looks up, and like, you see the New York skyline, and great ending, I thought it was amazing. Uh, again, I gave this movie an 84. Pretty fun, just a tad bit long. There's some scenes that could have been cut out, but besides that, you know, a uh, really good movie. So next, The uh, Five Bloods, which, oh my God, it's, I think it's my favorite movie that I have seen that came out this year. This with Okay, so The Five Bloods. Uh, first of all, I want to say I gave this movie a 94 out of 100. Amazing movie, I think, is the best movie that has come out so far this year. And uh, like we know, it's a Spike Lee joint. Um, amazing movie, amazing. Um, I have a Spike Lee up there in movies to the style, and I'm not comparing them. Because uh, these are like my favorite directors and I have him up there with like Quentin Tarantino. I love Quentin Tarantino, but man, Spike Lee, dude, his movies are amazing. Black Klansman, you know, what a great movie. And now this, The Five Bloods, 
it's an epic it's not just a journey of you know these these four guys it's like it has to do so much with history it has to do so much with what's actually going on now and that has been going on for years because this movie shows what happened you know in the vietnam war and things are happening now you know so it's a big message for everything that is happening right now and that it, it might still be happening until you know everything changes for the better sorry guys i have my tablet because i took so much notes on this movie because it was so good <laughs> so first i want to read the synopsis Four American vets battle forces of men and nature when they return to Vietnam seeking the remains of their falling squad leader and the gold fortune he helped them hide. It's by director Spike Lee, starring Chadwick Boseman, Delroy Lindo, Norm Lewis, Isaiah Whitlock, Clark Peters, and Jonathan Majors. There are also some other characters, but I'm just going to focus on the main characters. Now, Delroy Lindo's performance was amazing can you say oscar nomination because if i could vote that would be my oscar nomination for best actor being back here it is not easy because i'm gonna put him as the the main actor i mean yes they they were like the four main friends but his performance was so good and so it it drew you in because he he had ptsd in the movie and from being in the war, from everything that happened, even j just being there, he felt uneasy. You could see he was uneasy being there. He was there for two things, the gold, and most importantly, for Norm, which was their squad leader, you know, played by Chadwick Boseman. And he believed so much in him, you know, it, he was almost like a teacher to them. He was the leader, and uh, he uh, unfortunately died in the movie, and, you know, he his remains stayed in Vietnam and they really wanted to take him back to Arlington Cemetery you know to be buried as a hero which he was so I love how this movie uh, showed actual historical clips and Spike Lee said this he is a documentary filmer as well not just you know a movie director he also makes documentaries which you know at the beginning we see uh, Muhammad Ali, Martin Luther King, actual clips of what happened in the war, you know, the horrible things that were happening. And, you know, that some things like that are still happening today. So even though, thing, uh, even though these things were 50 to 60 years apart, it felt like it could have just happened yesterday with everything that's going on right now. So one thing that I really enjoyed was the aspect ratio. It changed from when they were in the present to when they were in the past. So, you know, you know how the present movies look, you know, anamorphic. Uh, and when they showed the flashback clips, it switched to, uh, I believe Spike Lee says Super 16. It was shot in Super 16 millimeter, which, you know, was the ratio that they used to shoot in back then. And I thought that was an amazing artistic choice. It really put you back, you know, like in that day, in that like if you're watching a documentary from the Vietnam War, so I thought that was a very, very good choice from Spike Lee to do. So, you know, it switched back and forth and it did not take me out of the movie. I thought it was great. We bury it. They don't, we come back and collect. One thing that Spike Lee talked about was, okay, how are we going to do the flashback with, of course, uh, Norm, played by Chadwick, Chadwick Boseman. Uh, he died, so... They didn't have to, you know, show him older. They just showed him how he was in the Vietnam War. But the four main guys are four main heroes. So how were they going to de-age him? There were three things they could have done. One, hire younger actors to play them, of course. That's the easiest. Two, uh, de-age him with CGI, which is an, about another $100 million added to the budget. Or three, prosthetics. So none of those seemed like the right answer to Spike Lee and he chose to use the actors the same way they are in the present day as they showed them in the, in the past. So you see the only person you see younger is Chadwick Boseman and, and then the actors, you know, they're playing themselves but obviously in our head, you know, us as the movie watchers, we know that they are younger. But I thought that was pretty cool. It did not take me out of the movie. Like, that way I didn't have to figure out who was who, then to call each other by names. I thought it was awesome. 
The only part where they showed that they were actually younger was at the end when they showed pictures uh, of themselves, you know, being in the war, which, uh, you know, uh, I thought that was really cool. But the way that they showed them that they weren't de-aged or anything it was just them playing themselves in the past. Pretty cool, pretty cool, because actually, you know, they had to do some like running scenes and shooting scenes. So I thought that was pretty cool for them. And I, I really, really enjoyed that. So they actually went to Asia, they went to a few locations, including Thailand and actually Vietnam. Uh, yeah, it, it would have just been too expensive and too big of a movie to shoot in the back lot or with green screen. They actually went to the jungle to shoot, which I think is awesome, you know, practical effects. You know, I'm all the way for that. Sometimes they're more expensive, sometimes they're cheaper, sometimes they just look more real. You know, if you're in space, you need a uh, green screen, but if you're in the jungle, go to a jungle. I understand the, you know, they have to take precautions with that and do things with that. But, you know, if, if you can do it, do it. I think it's a much better and I love how Spike Lee did it in this movie. I want to talk about the soundtrack. Amazing soundtrack. Loved every song put on there, you know. Heavily featured Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye fan right here. So those are just some initial thoughts I had about the movie. But, you know, as we follow the movie, we know that they start in Vietnam. They're back. They say, oh, it feels weird to be back. You can see Daryl Lindo's character, you know, not being the happiest, but he's there for Norm, which he loved, deeply loved as a brother, and the gold, which we know about, uh, which that is pretty much what causes everything that, um, and that's what pretty much, you know, you know, causes the problems in this movie, besides the self-conflicts they each have. Again, Delroy Lindo's, you know, performance, Oscar-worthy, Oscar nomination, and even win-worthy, because from the movies that I have seen this year, what a performance, you know, he really, uh, you know, he was uneasy being there, he had the PTSD, you know, he just, he just wanted to do what he had to do and get out, you know, and he didn't trust anybody, and we see that, we see that later in the movie, when he ties up the people from Lamb, because he doesn't trust them. They saw that he had gold. They said, no, we, we don't do whatever you're doing. We, we just wanted to help you. That scene, I was gripping my seat so hard when Daryl Lindo's son in the movie stepped on the landmine and he's just like, doesn't know what to do. One of the people from Lamb are like, please don't shift your weight. I was just gripping my seat. Uh, I was like, what's going to happen? Is he going to die? Is he going to make it? And then, you know, they talk about the Morehouse athletes, they flew and he's like, what are you going to do? You're going to fly. And they pull him out like with all their might. That was one of the most nerve-wracking scenes. And then immediately his head jumps to, okay, I don't trust you guys. Pulls out the handgun. That was, whoa, his character. He doesn't trust anybody. Such good acting. It, it got me. I was like, what, what, what's going on? What, he just helped you. They just helped you. But I understand from somebody who was in a war, for somebody who saw their friends being killed and for somebody who in his own country got cheated a lot and mistreated in his own country, he doesn't trust anybody and I understand that. And he even talks about it at the end of the movie, how he, his frustrations, he took, him out, he took them out on his own son, and, but that he still loves them no matter what, which was a big thing in the movie. So, uh, you know, we know that they find... Norm's remains, we know that they find the gold, and you know, that's pretty early in the movie, and you think, oh, is that it? Was that the big, you know, the climax of the movie? But no, it just keeps escalating from there and there, between personal conflicts, conflicts between the friends, and conflicts with actual, you know, Vietnamese people, and trying to take their, their gold back. They're saying that belongs to us, and then they're saying, no, the gold belongs to us, to the USA. So, they're back in war. They're put back in a war situation. And you see how calm they are because they have been there before. It's not the first time they've been to war. They know what to do. That doesn't mean they're not scared, but they know what to do. They've been in that situation before and then they know that if they don't move, that bad things could happen. But this is where the conflict starts to get bigger and bigger. First, they have to fight to try to survive and they manage to, you know... Uh, kill some people and, you know, send them away, but they know that they're going to come with even more reinforcements. That's where Delroy Lindo's character is like, I'm going on my own. I'm not going with you guys. He took his own share of the gold. He said, you guys do whatever you want with your share of the gold, which, as we know in the movie, he ends up losing the gold as he falls down the mountain. 
And he's like, you know what? Fine, have it. Like, I'm done with this country. I'm done with this. I'm done with this war. War, even though the war is not over, it's really not over. You know, it, it, it lives through them and it keeps coming back in different ways. We see this when they're on the boat and a guy's trying to sell, you know, them a chicken. And he's like, you know what? Fuck you. You killed my parents. You killed my mom and you killed my dad. American GI. So the war has never really been over in these people's hearts. We actually, we also see that with uh, Clark Peters' character, uh, Otis, who has a, a daughter with a Vietnamese, you know, escort prostitute, but he loves her and he didn't know about his daughter. She didn't want to tell anybody because back in, this is real, this really happened. Back in the day, uh, you know, some Vietnamese females, they actually had sons with Americans and they were seen as the enemy. They were seen as the enemy, bastard child, that's what they called them. So it's not their fault they were born with American uh, dads. A mother's always going to love their child no matter what, but because of the war, they've seen them as, oh, you know, you killed our people, you killed babies, you know, you killed so many people. And they actually showed some pictures which, whoa, it gets very graphic. This movie gets very graphic, but it's real. It's what really happened. Uh, so it's also in a way history and, you know, History should not be forgotten. One thing I really liked about this movie was the inclusion of Hanoi Hannah, which I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, uh, but she really was a propaganda personality and she actually did speak in English. And I like how she said that African Americans make up 30% of the army fighting in Vietnam and why are they fighting in Vietnam for a country that pretty much, you know, turned their back on them that, you know, they never respected them in the, in the past. Black GI, is it fair to serve more than the white Americans that sent you here? Nothing is more confused than to be ordered into a war to die without the faintest idea of what's going on. I dedicate this next record to the Soul Brothers of the 1st Infantry Divisions. Be safe. So that was a very powerful statement and you know it made the bloods, it made them angry. But you know, Norm, he, he had to call them down. He's like, don't let them, don't let them take our rage. Don't let them control our rage, which I thought was such a powerful, you know, thing to say. They said, you know, oh, let's kill, let's kill some people. This, Norm was like, no, do not let them control our rage. That, that's one thing they cannot take from us. They cannot take our rage. And I thought that was really powerful, really big, you know, statement. But Hannah, Hannah um, is a was a real propaganda character, and you could Google her. Uh, I went down a rabbit hole going through all these stories. So, like I said, um, you know they get separated. Unfortunately, Del Rey and those character get shot and killed in Vietnam, and you know that was sad. I really wanted to see him make it to the end, but um, but which it brings us to one of the most emotional scenes. Right before he gets killed, before he gets caught, it's one of the most emotional scenes in this whole movie is when, you know, he visualizes or he thinks about, you know, Norm. And Norm's like, let's talk about what happened. And then they show the flashback scene and we see that it was friendly fire that killed Norm. You know, because uh, somebody came into the plane where they were hiding and shooting at and he shot back, but he accidentally killed Norm. And he said, I forgive you. He said, I know you. And that was such a powerful scene. He said, it was not your fault. It was an accident. He said, Norm said, I died for you. And it was such an inspiring, such a great moment. And I, I really loved that. I really loved the message behind that. He said, I died for you. You know, this is not, it's not your fault. I'm not angry at you. And that's when I feel like Delroy or Paul had some peace because that was eating him up this whole time. He loved him the most. He was the closest to him and his own gun killed Norm. So then we uh, jump to the guys who are in the temple getting ready to pretty much go to war. And they've been in it. They are so calm. And he said, you know, they say it's not my first time in Nam. Isaiah's Whitlock character, you know, Melvin, at the beginning of the movie, he says, I will not jump in the grenade for anybody. And as soon as they threw a grenade, he jumped on it. I was like, no, I was like, that shocked me. I was not expecting that. And then they jumped, they kept going to the, to the scene. I thought they were, they were going to be like, no, you know, Melvin, but no, because that's how the show war is. You know, somebody's down, no time for grieving, no time for crying. You have to keep moving. You have to keep shooting. You have to keep going. So that was, that was crazy. That was such a, 
big scene. What he said he wouldn't do, he did. He jumped on top of the grenade without hesitation, as quickly as he could to protect his comrades, his people, his family. At the end, they're uh, able to, you know, get out, kill the French guy who was the bad guy. You know, he was behind everything. And they did what no one wanted, which was, you know, the money, give it to the community. Not just for themselves, but to the community. They give to a Black Lives Matter cause, which I thought was really cool. We see that Paul gives a letter to Otis to give to his son in case he dies, which that's what happened in the movie. And he gives it to his son, you know, pretty much saying that he always loved him no matter what. That because what happened in the war and in the past, he might have not shown it. And th that is that was the way that he was, but that he always loved him no matter what. And and the son knew it. The son knew he loved him. But but the letter was a closure for him. There's a lot of um, there are some political messages in this movie. A lot of messages about what's happening in society today, and that has been happening for more than sixty years which I thought uh, was a really nice way to, to show it in this movie. And I love, I love Daryl Lindell Paul's, you know, monologue when he's just in the jungle by himself and he starts talking and he says, I choose when I die. I decide when I die. Nobody decides for me. I thought that was very powerful, very good. That's why I gave this movie a 94%. Very, very easy watch. Never felt long, never felt short. It felt just right. Um, the cinematography was great. Score and the you know music, the soundtrack was amazing. Acting was superb. The acting, let me let me say again, acting was amazing. Especially the Orlando's Paul's character was amazing. So I gave this movie a 94%. It deserves it. You know, it's getting critical acclaim. Hopefully, a lot of people watch it. I think a lot of people are watching it. And uh, like I said, I want to thank Spike Lee for putting it on Netflix, making it much more accessible to us who are still at home, who, you know, who are still quarantined. So uh, thank you for that, Spike Lee. And uh, thank you guys for watching this video, this review. I'm going to have more reviews, more interviews for people in the film industry coming up. Please do not forget to subscribe and like this. It helps out a lot. I know I don't have a lot of followers, but to the people who do watch this and enjoy this, I'm going to keep making more videos for as long as I can. So thank you guys. Please, uh, you know, subscribe on YouTube and on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars. Give us any rating you can. That will help us out a lot. Thank you, guys.